0: and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at com slash ACAST.
1: All right, guys. Welcome back to the Rick Shields Golf Show podcast episode 181 yes i survived yes i've actually made it back to manchester here in the studio after one of the most incredible experiences of my life running the london marathon
2: there was bets that you weren't going to survive it there was bets there would be no podcast for the next few weeks you silenced all the haters you completed it in what i would say is a respectable time with no training a very respectable time but more importantly than all that you have raised an absolute fortune for charity so well done from all of us here at rick shields media
1: thank you um on honestly it was i i can't quite comprehend how i completed it Mm -hmm. as you mentioned and and I think I played it up almost more than what I actually did. In the podcast I've talked about, I did a little bit of training. I did nothing. (laughs) I did no training whatsoever. I went for a couple of 5K runs, which is not training.
2: Not for a marathon, no. For
1: a marathon, which is 42 kilometers, 26 miles. (laughs) So (laughs) to get through it and to have survived and to have done it in a respectable time without training. Um, and honestly, no word of a lie guy to feel as good as I do after it's some sort of miracle
2: don't get me wrong i am very very happy you're sat here now i'm doing a podcast i am and i'm <laughs> I very I know what you're gonna I, say. i'm very 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 happy you raised a fortune for charity but one of these days rick shields i want your chickens to come home to roost because you float through life with no training and do everything
1: It's annoying. <laughs> i got honestly i must admit i was genuinely terrified yes. about sunday on <clears> the <throat> l- latter end of last week when reality started to hit thinking on Sunday, what the hell am I doing? Why have I not trained suddenly kind of like all my, my nerves and inhibitions and, and kind of that, that, um, mindset, the devil on my shoulder was like, you can't do this, Rick. Why are you doing this? You can't do this, Rick. And I I probably believed it. I was like, "I, I don't think I can do this. And I really went in with the mindset of just taking my time and really kind of making sure that I don't injure myself and my main objective was to finish it yeah. if i had to walk if i had to crawl if i had to be carried i would have finished that race and i did it with kerry who set up the charity it's never you as you mentioned we've managed to raise nearly eight thousand pounds so far wow if you can donate um, it would be really appreciated i'd love to get it over ten thousand you know that's way bigger than our ambition originally, but it would be incredible if we could. It goes to a great cause to help support children, uh, parents who've had um, children affected by cancer. Um, so if you can donate, it'd be really good. Kerry unfortunately lost his little boy a couple of years ago, Hugh, and um, it was a pleasure to run for him and his charity and run with him as well. Uh, and it was and it was emotional. Um, I won't kind of go into loads and loads of detail, but I... I think I can do much, much better next time I run it. You're telling me if you trained for it, you could do better? And I, I, from the atmosphere and how good it was, I feel like I could get addicted to running marathons. Wow. It was, honestly, I can't explain how good it was. I mean, you, you see it on TV. Yes. I remember what... It always seems to kind of spring out of nowhere the london marathon if you're not running for Correct. it you always go oh god it's london marathon today and i switch it on tv and you watch it and you go wow this is amazing one day i'll do it and that day came the support from the crowd is phenomenal so i had my name on my shirt which really helps so very I, clear
2: as well very really clear good.
1: so a lot of uh fans and supporters were shouting go on rick the amount of actual fans who watch and listen was outstanding. Really, so thank you, every single one of you who watches and listens, who stood by the by the side and screamed as loud as you could, "Go on, Ricky Shields! Go on, Ricky Shields!" <laughs> um, and "On Delay, on delay wow. was shouted so much it was ridiculous. So many fantastic people listened to this podcast and and used "On Delay, on delay um, as I run down streets and and you know tried to keep my morale up and it was funny because you'd hear you'd hear a supporter who probably doesn't watch the channel because my name's on my shirt just go go on rick you're doing great (sighs) And then you'd hear an actual fan. Go on, little Ricky. Yeah, like go on. Are you breaking seventy five and
2: all this. <laughs> where's sausage roll now, mate? Where's sausage roll? Hey, where's sausage roll? Uh, so yeah.
1: So, um, <laughs> but yeah, the atmosphere was amazing. Um, it was it was really funny running with other people as well because the, every time a fan would shout out, "Go on, Ricky Shields," and I'd get a few funny looks. Yeah. So people walk, running around me were like. What the, what the hell, what, who's this guy? To the point where I've actually had a couple of tweets after the event saying, I had to find out who you were because the amount of support you were getting was outstanding. Well, it's
2: funny, there's a picture in the Facebook group from Owen Gunn who um, took a picture of you running and he put the big man at London Fire Brigade Water Station at mile 20 And I've got mixed, it's done well by the way. It's had six point six thousand likes in the group. So that's arguably one of the biggest posts I've had. So you've redeemed yourself after last week when we were laughing that you don't get any likes on your post. It's not me that posted it. You're in the post. (laughs) (laughs) We'll give you the benefit of the doubt. But you look a kind of combination of like half okay. And then on further inspection, when I really zoom in, we'll put this picture in the uh, podcast. Your face looks like one of those memes like it's at this moment. He knew he (laughs) fed up.
1: (laughs) I I I couldn't believe <clears throat> it, for me, what was a couple, of, what was really interesting, and now I know what the pace of a marathon is, it was a lot slower than I expected mm. it to be. Um, almost to the point where it sounds ridiculous, I've almost never ran that slow. Yeah. But it's 26 miles, I didn't want to push myself, I didn't want to fatigue and collapse after halfway. The longest i would ever, ever ran has been 13 miles, which is half marathon. And that again. was like eight years ago, nine years ago, when I did the Great North Run in Newcastle. I've not ran that far <clears throat> ever since. I'm not, even, and I trained for that as well, and that was really hard mm. to do that. Um, but but when you start just kind of running in the crowd, you just get the pace, and you kind of you're almost running with the wave. I think in hindsight, I was probably because I, I actually ran with uh, Kerry again for the for the first start of the race. So I dropped back a wave, and I think I might have just been in slightly slower wave than what. I wanted to be, to
2: be in golf terms, what handicap was your wave, and what handicap do you think your wave should have been? So,
1: I applied to be in the the handicap of maybe like let's say a fifteen handicap.
2: That's what you okay. applied to be in. Okay.
1: Yeah. So you had you you had your pros. Yeah. Your Mo Farahs, your best, you know, your best runners in the world. Your Cameron Smiths. Yeah, they were category one. Yeah. They they were often running at whatever time <laughs> they they set off at. Then you had your semi pros, yeah. who would be behind them. Then you had your category one guys, who would probably do it in like. Three hours. So sub like a three hours. nice
2: six handicap golfer.
1: Yeah. Then you had your kind of mid handicappers, <laughs> which I thought I'd put myself in, which was probably somewhere between a four hour and a five hour run. Okay. Okay. That's where I originally entered and applied for. That was my original wave. And then the wave I, I was in with Kerry was probably 20, 20 and above. Okay. But then... There was another one more category after me. It was like 28 handicappers and, and above that. Yeah. Okay. Who do it in they like wanna, six, seven hours. They want to break a hundred. They just want it. they would walk They want complete the round. So you can't go up a wave, but you can drop back a wave. Yeah. So I dropped back into the higher handicapper wave. Okay. Which I think helped me yeah. complete it. It didn't help me get a time that I think I can achieve. So as, as daft as that sounds, I was in this wave and it was when I started, I mean, I, I didn't realize you didn't have to get into like a sprint start position <laughs> on the start line. <laughs> I was expecting a, a gun to go off and like you saying, bolt come out the blocks. But it was a it was a very like, whoa, this is quite a chill pace. Yeah. Like, I quite like this. And the number one tip I'd read from a lot of followers and fans that had said, start slow. Yes, okay, that makes sense. I probably didn't anticipate it was as slow as it, as it was. <laughs> I mean, it was lit, I mean, it was it was still running. It was jogging, but I was going along and thinking, well, just stick to this pace. Thinking in hindsight now, now that I know what it entails, next time I do it, yeah. Ooh, next time, which will be next year, nice. I will definitely be sub five hours. I reckon I can knock an hour off my time. Wow, that's, yeah, I'd like I re- that. I reckon I can do four and a half hours pretty comfortably. Um, but yeah, so I, I went prepared. I um, Well, this is what I, you, you wore a, a bum bag. I wore a for, bum for, bag. For our listeners in America, a fanny pack.
2: That's correct. You had it flipped around on your fanny. On my bum. Yep. And you said it was full. So talk to me now. You said it was over full, which isn't like you. You're not a prepper. You're a last minute guy with an iPhone and AirPods. Well, it was last minute. Well, yeah, okay. You've over
1: prepped then in the last minute. So talk to me, what was in your bag? So Friday night, I start panicking, thinking, what do I need to actually take with me? I've never run a marathon before. (laughs) This is Friday night. I've literally gotten, I hadn't hadn't booked a hotel. I hadn't even (laughs) sorted my travel down. Luckily, I managed to sort travel down. Mike, who was this this driver, drove me down. He was amazing. Um, So I I got picked up at half four in the morning on Sunday morning got driven down to the London Marathon, which was donated, the driver was donated by uh, my good friend Tom at VIP Hospitality. Um, and I got there at, at 8.30 in the morning and then I did the run and Mike picked me back up and drove me back to Manchester.
2: He's been in the car for four and a half hours, not really a bad thing to do. before, yeah, but before a marathon, you're not stiff.
1: Before? No, just slept. Fair enough. It was like a luxury vehicle. Yeah, but still. I had my feet up, I was watching TV. It, is. it was all right. It wasn't, it wasn't a bad way of getting down. Um, so, Friday night, I started panicking, okay? Yep. Thinking, what do I do here? I went on Amazon, okay? And ordered a supply pack, okay? <sighs> so, I ordered two bum bags. So, okay. I didn't know which the sizing I wanted. Yeah. Plasters. Yeah, good. Vaseline. Nice. Anti-chafing thing. Essential. Um, the blisters, the plasters, I can't think what they're called now.
2: Okay, yeah, yeah, I know what you mean.
1: Blister pastas. Um, a first aid kit, a little mini first aid kit. Good. I, th- I thought I was.
2: Told um, up Everest. Yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. So on, luckily on Saturday, the, the the survival pack arrived through Amazon, and I packed it with plasters, scissors. I took a pair of scissors with me. Um, AirPods gels, you know the, yeah, the energy gels. Um, a phone um, charger, essential, like a you yeah, know, little back my backup phone charger. Um, what else did I have in there? Uh, a few jelly babies. Um, <laughs> pins, safety pins. Yes, not, for your uh, thing, number. I pretty much used nothing. I didn't use the scissors. Apart from the phone and the phone charger. Well, my phone was in my pocket most of the time. Were you using it, but? Yeah, I was. Um, but yeah, I, I went over prepared and luckily didn't need it. And afterwards, <laughs> I laughed at myself thinking, why have I brought all this stuff? But honestly, touch wood, um, I didn't get a single blister. I woke up yesterday, which was Monday, thinking, oh, my God, this is going to be painful. Honestly, I think I've broke the matrix. Like, my legs, (laughs) honestly, nothing really hurt, which is madness, right? And and everyone says, oh, it's going to be two days later, okay? So, I woke up today, Tuesday morning, again, getting out, waking up, my eyes woke up, my alarm went off. I'm thinking, here we go, Rick, this is going to be really painful. Got out of my bed, sprung out of bed, like like a spring chicken, (laughs) right? I've, I've come skipping into the office today, prepared. And also, I've got to show you something. This is the best bit. I think I might know what it might be.
2: Oh, the silverware. You've got Listen it. Listen
1: to this. Ready?
2: Oh, what? Let's feel it. There's some weight to that. So this is my oh, medal. Wow. That, is, that is, yes. How good is that? That is really good. Wow.
1: So that this is, is really my good. London Marathon Finisher's Medal. I am a finisher. I get... <laughs> The job, done. <laughs> Didn't um, start, but it finishes. That's, honestly, really, that's really, nice. really really good, yeah. Isn't it good quality? So you get that literally straight after the race. I'm going to put it on. I, I mean, I shouldn't have worn it for the last two days, but I did. Um, and what's really interesting, when you've got it on and you're walking around, when you're walking around London after with it on, the amount of people, well done, well oh, done, congratulations. Nice. So yeah, this will take pride of place. I honestly genuinely loved it.
2: Yeah. Would you ever do one? I would. I'd, well, I'll say a word. I do like running. I'm not into big, big distances. A 10K is my max, really. However, I feel like if you are fit enough to run, you somewhat enjoy running, I do think ticking off at least one marathon in your life is something you should look to do or, or aspire to do. So I might, I might well do. So I've got two objectives
1: now. Okay. I want to do 10 London marathons in a row. <laughs> Christ. Okay.
2: You just go all in, don't so you? So <laughs> as I'm
1: getting older, yeah. I want my time to get lower. Okay. So that I'm committed, to, committing to that right now wow right now i want to do 10 marathons in a row and each time try and get faster there was a 90 year old doing it did it beat you i beat his ass yeah of course you did <laughs> that's <Pathetic. laughs> it no, train harder to be honest i i think i there was fifty-two thousand entered i was definitely towards the, the lower end of the leaderboard but I, I finished it it's irrelevant the fact that people can do it in two hours is like mind
2: blowing. It, it really, really is. I watched a bit of that, the elites, and what's in, what's insane. It, it sounds silly. It doesn't look like they're running that fast because they're <sighs> so smooth with it. And if you ever put a treadmill on the pace they're doing, I honestly can't do it for more than like twenty five seconds. And they're doing it for two hours. It it's is madness. Ridiculous. There
1: was one point where you actually uh, once you go over. Um, is it Tower Bridge or London Bridge? I always get confused. Well,
2: Tower Bridge is the one that is the towers on it. Is it right? Is yeah, that right? London Bridge is the normal bridge.
1: So Tower Bridge, you go over Tower Bridge and the atmosphere over there is amazing. There's loads of music, loads of fans, everything else. And as you come off that bridge and you take a right, it's like it's almost like a, not a dual carriageway, but kind of yeah, they, yeah, they've yeah, done it that way with the rails. So you're running away from the centre of city and then there's runners coming the other way, okay? And these are the, the category one yeah. runners the difference in speed was was astronomical like we were going one way and we looked like we we looked like we were at the end of the race and yeah. they looked like they were at the start of the race and what was fascinating i was like oh that won't be long it honestly it was about a 20k run to get back to that point so you run past these people and you think, oh, I must be nearly finished by now. <laughs> we were getting to halfway, they were nearly finished. And, and you like going, "Like it's unbelievable. I've got huge admiration for guys who really train hard for it and get the job done. I was I was a guy that's almost been invited to a corporate golf day. Yes. Okay. I've not practiced. I've, Correct. I've bought my golf clubs off Amazon on the Friday night after yep. watching a Rick Shields golf review video. Yep. Um, and I've turned up on Sunday morning worried and I've gone round in 92 you had a hole in one
2: yeah you know what you are another analogy I feel like <laughs> when you're in high school and you had food technology yeah and you had to like bake a cake in school and obviously you're supposed to tell your mom in advance got all the ingredients for you you woke up on Thursday morning said, mom what Rick got food tech today oh why didn't you say what you're making? Steak and ale pie, for example. <laughs> <Your mother's laughs> in the fridge. Luckily, you've got the ingredients. You shove them in a bag for you, a little of Morrison's bag. Young Rick Shields skips to school his Morrison's bag of ingredients. You go into class, you bung it in the oven, you come out with the best pie of the class. That's you.
1: Can I tell you a really, really, really funny story from school? It's, it's only a quick one. So similar to that, I actually did food tech at school, weirdly enough. And um, you know when you had to do, um, what was it called, assignment work? coursework yeah yeah coursework so you had to create this almost document it sounds like it's ruffling. i'm gonna take my medal off it's roughly in against my jacket I'm Just gonna rest it there right in place um and the you used to have to print it you have to you had to create it in what's the size bigger than an a4 piece of paper a3 a3 so you had to do a yes. documentation in i remember a3. this did you have like three? a
2: clear plastic foliage to carry around
1: <clears> okay so you had to do this whole presentation quite thick a3 okay like ricky shields so i thought oh, that's quite big that a3 isn't it so i did all of my coursework every single bit of it in a4 right okay so every single page was a4 on the computer the pictures and everything okay mm-hmm. and around the corner from me there was a garage <laughs> a petrol station that had a photocopy machine oh, my and you could also enlarge Things. pictures yeah so i went in there and for five P a page, I turned my A4 coursework document into a fully fledged A3 document and it probably cost me 50 P. God. Work smarter, not, not harder. harder.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, that, that sums you up. But I, I, on a on a, on a a genuine note, it is a great achievement. And if you do it every year, I'll be very interested to see what you do next year and the year after
1: and the year after that. Well <coughs> done. I might, well... Can I count my training? Can I can I tr- count the run London Marathon this year for training for next yeah, year? I think so.
2: That's you done then.
1: Yeah, I'll just run it next year again. <laughs> no, it's good. Thank you for the support. Genuinely, everyone, all the lovely messages, all the lovely uh, comments we got. Um, like I say, running for charity, if you can donate, it'd be amazing. But yeah, I'd love to do it every single year. The buzz was amazing. And it's a high that I don't know if it can be replaced. And I definitely want to do New York Marathon. Mm.
2: Anyway. I like your jacket. Thank you. So you've got a Masters jacket And For those of you listening, you might want to flick on the podcast video to see this. You've got a kind of navy blue Masters jacket with a hood on. It doesn't feel very Masters-y, the, the style to it. And you know what it reminds me of very much, so and it's very uh, convenient with the time. Obviously, Rexham been promoted into the, the Football League and Ryan Reynolds, obviously, his co-owner. I think like you'll dress like him. That's how we kind of have these quite cool jackets with a cap on.
1: So someone weirdly said to me the other day, if a film was created of your life, who would star as lead role? And I was like, well, no idea, but he'd Jack Black or someone. <laughs> <Ricky Gervais>. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, no, no, who's the guy that, um, who's the guy that's just taken over Wrexham? And I went, Rob Mackin. No, 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 the other one. I went, Ryan what, the Wre- really, really good looking one? He went, yeah. He said, you really look like him. I was like, wow, I look like Ryan. <laughs> Ryan. R- <laughs> Are you, you delusional? Like <laughs> well, I must admit, this is, a little bit of a flex. You can only actually buy this jacket from the Pro Shop of oh, Augusta God. National. So this isn't
2: It's got a mixture of kind of like podcast at twelve, Rex My Way at Four, <laughs> vibe.
1: I like it. Little nine holes after it, work it does after look that.
2: Good, that. That's Thank A nice you. piece of uh of garment. But yeah, today's podcast it was very much easing you back into the saddle. <laughs> I thought you were going to say today's podcast is brought to you by Rex and Football it's Club. the London Marathon 2024. <laughs> please, two invitations. Um, no, but no, we've we've had a um, kind of strange week. Last week, um, we've got a couple of nice videos filmed. One came out yesterday, which is a very simple coaching video, and it's something we're still very committed to doing. We saw a nice uh, number of comments on the video actually saying it's great to see you still doing coaching videos because obviously now we have a. A vast array of content, and again, say this one more time so more comments on it. Review channels coming very, very soon. But you, we are still committed to coaching videos. And yesterday's video was one about how to strike your hands more consistently something that everyone wants to do.
1: It's going down very, very nicely. Um, talk to me about it. Well, you know what? The and you people who have heard the story of why I got into YouTube and why we sat here now eventually being kind of a media business as such and doing a podcast is because of the love of coaching like I was a golf coach I loved coaching I got into making YouTube videos to promote my coaching business and over time just because of work you know media side of things have got busier I don't coach in person anymore but deep down the root of me is a golf coach yeah Like, I very much love seeing people get better at golf. Um, On Friday, when we had Mia in the podcast, I actually went and filmed a video with Mia, Emily Crammage, and Jenny Drummond, who um, have started uh, almost like a group of YouTube girls called Golf Girls, and actually gave them all a lesson, a little 20 minute lesson. And it just again reminded me how passionate I am and how much I love helping people get better. And it's just that light bulb moment where it goes, oh, yeah, that's it. And you hit that great shot and you feel like, that's nice. I've kind of helped you, you know, guide into that position. And the coaching video, again, on Monday that we released, the the three simple tips for iron consistency. I love seeing the comments of people saying, oh, this is so simple. I always like to keep try and keep the, the tips simple, mm-hmm. as simple as it possibly can be, because you can very easily overcomplicate golf. Oh, 100%. Um, and it, and it is a complicated sport, no question about it, but just a couple of key points that help you hit more consistent shots. Um, I did see also a few comments that kind of were alluding to the fact that, um, my coaching tips aren't valid because they've seen me play golf, which (laughs) I find a bit strange. Um, well, first off, I trained very hard to become a golf coach and I know the golf swing very well. Doing it and teaching it are very different. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, if let's say, for example, any tour pro, they have a coach, their coach aren't the best player in the world. No. I had Butch, um, Claude Hardman on the podcast when I was over in uh, Jupiter in Florida in, in December, and he openly admits that he's not a great golfer. Yeah. But he coaches some of the best golfers in the world, many, many major victories. His granddad was really good, won yeah. the Masters years ago, but he opened the mitts. I've not quite got the skill set to be able to apply it to myself. And I suppose that's a little bit to me. I know how the golf swing works, how it operates, but to be able to do it to yourself all the time is difficult. Yeah. Um, but also, I'd like to think that I've proven enough that I can play good golf. Um. I'll th- hit a couple of bad shots every now and again. But
2: that's the thing, though, and I understand I saw those couple of comments, but... That's almost the annoying thing with social media and with creating content in a sense that that video's had about a quarter of a million views already, um, insane amount of likes, insane amount of positive comments, and that will genuinely have helped a lot of golfers games. But the human instinct is to focus on those handful of negative comments, yeah. and they're the ones that we take to heart, and it's frustrating, it's just life, isn't it? And I always use the analogy, and it might be a silly one, but you know, if you walk down the street and six random people said... Oh, I love your trainers. Oh, thank you. And one person goes, "What are you wearing them for? That was ridiculous!" Like that's the comment that you go home and think about, isn't it, is. it? It's just it's just human nature. But I think a lot of those people are kind of as well. They're almost fans who are having a bit of a joke. It's a bit. Yeah. If you responded and said, "Oh, thanks for that," they go, "Oh, I'm only messing, Rick. I love the videos. I love Brick 75 yeah. But yeah, but on that though, kind of nice. Well, not a nice comment. A good comment we had on the Facebook group. that I asked this morning for some comments for this podcast, and it's something we've done a coaching video on recently. But maybe if we can think of some other. Um, answer to this question that weren't in that video. So it's from Adam Finlay and he says, what three things do you wish you had known when you started golf that would have helped you get to where you are, uh, get, that would have helped you that now you know? Um, I've been playing golf for eight months and listened to almost every podcast, keep up the great work. So we did a video on this actually quite recently, yeah. things that you wish you knew when you started but maybe even some of those again, but what are some things that you you think now, if I'd have known that when I was a junior or
1: when I started, I'd I'd have been a better golfer quicker. Did he just say he was a junior or? No, he's only been playing eight months. So for me, I don't don't know about you, I just really wish going back in the day, I wish I had traveled and played more golf courses against better players Mm -hmm. personally. Um, I think in hindsight now, when I I was growing up as a kid and we, we have fond memories of growing up playing golf at our golf clubs when we were kids. I wish I'd I wish I'd done more junior opens, yeah. I wish I'd done more events. I wish I'd played with more better golfers. Yeah. Um and again I think a lot of people can learn from from this. like you can go in stupid analogy if I was in the faster wave at the London marathon, my time would have improved. Yeah. Because I would have been almost brought along all with with the, with quite literally the wave of faster runners. And I think that happens with golf. You get yourself, you put yourself in the position where you can play with better golfers and you learn so much from them. And it just, it, it improves your game. I find that you think yeah. differently. You think more like a better golfer.
2: I think you're right. But I think also, and I, I, I don't play other sports. I, I dabbled other things, obviously when I was in school growing up. But from what I do know about other sports, and again, you might agree with this, you might disagree. Golf is quite different to other sports but for many, many different reasons. And I kind of think one thing you probably should know as a new golfer is that it is a hard sport. And, mm-hmm. and one day you might go out and you might, if he's a new golfer, you might go out and he might break 100, he might shoot 97 and be made up. And think, you know what, I'm starting to get this golf now, I'm cracking it. The next week he might go to shoot 105, 115. And it's like, you can get frustrated at yourself. But even when you look at the, we've said this many times, when you look at the best players in the world, it's not uncommon for Rory to shoot 65 to 76. And that's at that standard. So I think it's kind of be more realistic with golf of how difficult it is, and not expecting to just ne- necessarily shoot better scores all the time.
1: Yeah, um, it is, it, it's a real challenging sport. Um, that, that many times you question, "Oh, am I ever going to crack it?" I don't think anyone's ever cracked it. You, you can't, like, can you can literally. It's, a, it's an uncrackable sport. Like, you can't go round. The only way you, is perfection is eighteen hole in ones. Yeah, because you couldn't even say eighteen birdies is, well, is making eagle exactly. exactly. Like, unless you can go around and hit eighteen shots and complete around the golf, no one will ever complete golf. Which is the beauty of it. Like that's what's so fascinating about it. And every day is different. Mm-hmm. You feel different. You you might have had a, a a tougher week at work, or you might have had been on holiday and out of practice. The weather changes all the time, the temperature changes, how your swing is. Mm-hmm. That's what makes it so interesting. That's why we're always striving for consistency. But it's also a very tough um, thing to get. Mm.
2: Yeah, no, I agree. Question from Darren Keenan, and I'm going to disagree with this, even though it's a question, I disagree with his point. Why has golf become so expensive and inaccessible to people is your question.
1: Yeah, I would probably disagree with that as well. I think it's becoming more accessible. Mm. I think there's definitely a bigger variety now between exclusive yeah. and easy to get to. I just think it's got broader. Mm -hmm. I think back, let's say we went 50 years to get into golf. It was pretty much one, one entry. It was a members only golf club. It'd be a certain price, which was fairly expensive and it wouldn't be particularly willing for new members. But now you have you really, really exclusive places Mm -hmm. that are outrageously expensive and that's fine. They can be up there in that bucket you have your middle of the ground, which is still kind of your members' clubs. You have your more public golf courses. You have your municipals. You have driving ranges. You have a little par three golf courses that are so much more accessible. I th- I just think the broadness of, of entry into golf has just widened so much more.
2: You know what I also, I, I understand, but I also don't understand slash don't agree with. You see a lot of people when I have for moan on social media saying two things. The first one is that golf clubs don't get any better over the recent years. And for the last five years or so, they've all stayed the same, which is fair enough. I kind of do agree with that to some degree. Then the same people also say golf clubs are getting too expensive. But if you think about it, if you're saying that golf clubs haven't changed, well, you don't need a new golf clubs, So you, your current golf clubs are going to be okay. So they are getting more expensive to some degree. Well, that's only the latest and greatest tailor-made driver or Titleist i whatever that you don't need. Now, if you go into the game and you want, you know, you're a new golfer and you say, I want the exact clubs that Rory uses or Cameron Smith or whoever, that is going to cost you a lot of money and you want to join a great fancy golf club and use Pro V1s. But that's like saying why a car so expensive because I want a Ferrari. You don't mm. have to have a Ferrari. Get an old battered Punto or something that's 500 quid and just gets you made to be. You can have great fun playing with horrendous old golf clubs or even buy some cheap, decent ones. It doesn't have to be expensive. No. I think it actually bizarrely is. It's hardcore
1: golfers that see it has been expensive because they want all those things. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, I think there's not, there's not been a better time in golf where if a friend that never played golf before comes to you or me, I feel like the entry into golf has got so much more accessible. I feel like you'd be able to pick up a really nice package set. Mm-hmm you know a really good set is whether the ones that i've tested on my channel whether the ones from Costco or sticks or think you know a, a full set you go there you go and try that golf course because they've got an offer on at the moment where it's only 10 pounds on a sunday afternoon yeah or go to that driving range where it's got top trace technology and it and it's 10 pound a bucket of golf balls and you can have a whack and see how you get on like i do feel like the entry is and you don't have don't worry what what you wear I mean, you don't have to buy golf shoes or you don't have to buy fancy clothes just yet Um, And even the fancy clothes, that's changing. Yes. A lot of the things that that you you might see wearing down.
0: Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me.
1: ...to the pub now, a hoodie and, and some smart trousers. You Master's can, hoodie. Master's hoodie, obviously. Lyle Scott. <laughs> you, you can go over to a golf course and play golf in that Correct. now. So, um, no, I, I do disagree. I think it's, it's, it can always get better. It can always be more entry points. But I, I think golf is in a really good spot for that right now. Can I shock you? Shocked. Consider me shocked.
2: I, this might well be the title of this podcast, so... It won't surprise people when they hear this. I might be getting converted to live. Are you signing up for him? <laughs> They've offered me a deal I couldn't refuse. They said they want an average golfer to go and play the tournament to show how hard the course actually are. Just prone to got shank and lost ball.
1: I'm the man. No, Just, right. Let me explain. All that money has to go back into insurance liability yes. <laughs> To protect the fans. <laughs> if I put be 500 quid around, I couldn't say <laughs> no.
2: <Okay>. No, <clears throat> basically, I've had a question. I've had many, many, many questions on Liv this week. And I'm going to read the question out from Drew, Drew Clark. And I'm going to answer it. We're going to answer it. And I'm going to give you my opinion on Liv. And why it may be changing. So Drew has said, Drew Clark... Love to know some thoughts on Live this week in Adelaide versus other events. The atmosphere at the venue was incredible. Do you think they should lean into the party um, completely and just go with it? Beers, DJs, essentially, golf but louder, which was Liv's tagline. Now, first things first, I'm going to come clean. I didn't watch a great deal of Liv this weekend, partly because of the time difference and whatever. It didn't really work for me. However, I did watch a lot of the highlights. I have not been an advocate before massively of... Um, the whole thing at the waste management with the beers getting thrown, etc. So what I'm about to say, I'm very, very aware is somewhat hypocritical. But hear me out. When I watched some of the highlights, and in particular, Chase Kepka's Hole in One, and it went mad on the watering hole, there was something about it that I liked. Now, hear me out. I am not necessarily the kind of person, probably too boring, admittedly, who would go to that event and love throwing beer around and really get excited by it. It's not quite my scene, personally. However, Live Golf was launched to try and offer a different product to the PJ Tour and golf as we know it. And I must admit, some things were different. The team element, yes. Um, shotgun starting, mm, okay. Fewer holes, borderline irrelevant to me. Well, sorry, fewer rounds. Um, And I must admit, when it launched, I didn't actually think it was that different. You know, yes, they can wear shorts. There's a few things here and there. But is it actually that revolutionary? I wasn't sure. There's something about this Adelaide one, the bits that I did watch, that did feel different. Mm. Even the way that the crowds are reacting to good shots, not just on the watering holes. Again, that is a slight rip off. Let's be honest, of waste management anyway, which is a PJ tour thing. So that's not that innovative really in itself, but the music on the crowd's reactions. And I must admit, so many live guys give it the whole, I've joined live because I want to spend more time at home and blah, blah, blah. And I love the team element and it's more fun. Really it's because of the money. However, the players, a lot of the reactions seem to be absolutely loving being there. And this is the first one for me, personally, where I've watched it and thought, not quite the yet, and yet being the key word, but if this kind of goes down this route a bit more, I can definitely see its purpose, and maybe I could well become a a convert, thought to me. Yeah, I mean,
1: I think first off, huge um, shout out to the Australians. Mm. I think they made this event what it was i mean the australians they they absolutely love it when any sport goes to australia they really get behind it they, they you know they're somewhat deprived of sporting opportunities down there just because obviously it's so far mm-hmm. away a lot of a lot of main events happen in the us or europe australia don't really get many main events And they the get the f was it the f1 goes there yeah and, and i, I think is it the olympics Olympics is going there soon, isn't it? Going to Brisbane soon in the Olympics. And I think that'll be incredible. Um, But for me, it was the crowd. It was. They just looked like they were having the best time Correct. ever. Like, it really did look like a different golf event than ever before. But, but would
2: you say, on that then, I 100% give kudos to the crowd. Is it live that deserves some kudos for kind of allowing that environment and, and almost letting it breathe?
1: I, I think there's a couple of things. What I'd be very interested to know about with Adelaide, the event, how much of those were actual golf fans? Mm-hmm. Because a bit like waste management, most of. I wouldn't like to put a number, but from visually what I'm seeing, it looks like fifty percent of them aren't golf fans. Fifty yeah. percent of them that go are just going just for the atmosphere. So that's a good thing or a bad thing. I think it's a really good thing. I don't see that. I don't see one problem with that one bit. Um and and maybe in Adelaide, that was where an opportunity where golf doesn't happen down there very often in Australia. And any sporting event they get way behind. And it seems like potentially there was uh, um a spark with the australians were like oh my we, there's a dj on do you there's see cameron d- smith doing yeah, the shoe-y. Shoe- they're all doing shoeys i mean australians are great people anyway like they love a party they love a drink they love they love making noise. like that that was right up their street and yes a live event allowed them to do that but mm. like, i've never seen that at a president's cup when it's been played in australia i've never seen that at like the aussie open mm. doesn't happen like that does it it seems like for me, the Aussie Open seems much more like just a normal event, yeah. normal golf event. So I, I do think there's a, there's a balance between both. I think live the event allowed, uh, you know, not allowed as such, but didn't restrict behaviour.
2: I uh, think it definitely
1: lent into the fact that they could be, could be loud and do what they it, wanted. I'd Encourage, yeah. And the Australians, they love that. So so why not? Mm. You know, I think what's a very interesting is. Yes, let, let's say that was their new model. And, and Adelaide was now this number one event that, that every single event wants to be just like the Adelaide event. Because you're yeah. right, the, the social media content from it was incredible. Correct. The DJ Ian Poulter up on stage raving in front of all this crowd, <laughs> all these shoeies where they're drinking out of a shoe, which I'm not, i will be interested to try it one day. Never say never. Um, you know the whole vibe of it seemed incredible. The weather, the golf course was fantastic. This watering hole, obviously, again, rip off of TPC uh, Scottsdale, but it was all there as a whole package. So, where do you sit on it then? No, what I'm saying oh, is, if that is number one, if that—if they now say that is the shining light, that is the yep. that is the north star of all live events, okay? Mm-hmm. I don't think it can ever be replicated because let's say. I think it's in, is it in July? It's back at Centurion. I think, yeah, it's around the summer. Well, it's definitely the summer. Is that event, from the crowd that go to that event, are they, they going to be like the Adelaide well, crowd?
2: Well, a good, good point. So I, I actually went to the live event last year at Centurion and it did feel like a different crowd to a normal golf event. But also now that the crowd, for, so for example, and whether you agree with this atmosphere or not, which I think I do quite like it in this environment, if you think about it, the first live event at Centurion was still very new. and People didn't really know what to expect. If you are a, a live fan or a golf fan and you're going to live in Centurion this summer in London, surely you're going to kind of expect a bit more of that because you've seen it. You may also play up to a bit more and you might go, normally when we go and watch a golf event, they only have a couple of beers, but I'm, I'm up for it this week going to, to live and they did it in, in Adelaide. Let's get, go for it. You might then invite one of your mates who's a bit more of a rowdy lad who doesn't really like golf, but you show him some of the videos and go, come to this as a gig on at night, we'll get get sourced up, we'll get shieldsied. And next thing you're like, yeah, and then he brings his mate who's a bit more wild. Now again, that can start to breathe. It's like this, for example, <laughs> if you think about it, the races, I think globally, but certainly in England, the Grand National, etc. Ladies' day, the day before that, I've been a couple of times, it's not too far from where I live. He's rowdy, it's full of youngsters who go on the ale all day, suited and booted, the girls are all glamorous, etc not about racing whatsoever you might put a couple of bets on you go to get drunk basically rightly or wrongly that is why you go live could potentially turn into that where you're getting youngsters or all ages but typically youngsters going going for a great day out that will offend some authentic golf viewers and fans and golfers etc but i don't have an issue with that if
1: that is the point of it is is that almost a difference let's say for example going back to your race analogy so aintree you're right if i went to if if I, it wouldn't surprise me if I got invited to a stag do and we went to Aintree. Correct. Would it? No. Like, I probably, I think I've been invited. I couldn't make it. But you go to Aintree, there's a bit of a stag do. You have a great day. You drink all day. You probably go out in Liverpool that night. It's a full party atmosphere and you know what to expect. And yes. like you say, you might put a couple of bets on, but you're not really. Yeah. But then on the flip side, if I got re- invited to Royal Ascot. Correct. I wouldn't expect to be on a stag do. No. I'd, I'd be thinking With your wife, of going very dressed up, tailored suit, drinking yeah. champagne, you know, you know, being prim and proper. Yes. I suppose that's where this, this, and they can both live separately. Correct. Yes. And actually a lot of the time races happen on, on different venues, yeah. on different day, on the same day. Um, so I think it's what, what's interesting is this idea that if, if that has now been shown that a live event is like that, I think that the real key moment is when stag do start going to live. Well, or, or bachelor—what they call it in America—bachelor party. Yeah,
2: if you if you lived in Australia, that looks like the, the perfect thing to go to. And and this is for me why I know it's always been slightly targeted this line this way, and, and the whole tagline is golf but louder. But I'll be honest, I didn't really feel like it was golf but louder. It was kind of let's do what the PJ Tours doing, but a little bit different, and let's kind of have it there, throw in a few teams and see if that works. And again, even though the whole point of that watering hole is very much copied off Sawgrass. This did, not soil grass uh, Waste Management. This did feel different this time. And it might be because I've watched the highlights. And it's been romanticized. It's all the fast-paced bits. I don't know. But I do feel like I'm getting converted to it. And I don't mean that as a fan. I'm not suddenly dead bothered about who's winning live events. But as a product and kind of letting it live in the golf space, I do feel a lot more open to it. And okay, that, that can live there.
1: Suppose, it, suppose it's a little bit like, again, going back to this thing at Aintree, you've got the Grand National. The winner isn't always the the standout feature no like i could go to the grand national enjoy myself like crazy not even know what horse won exactly not remember but not (laughs) know what horse won i think what i'd be very interested to find out do the players all of them every single one of them that's playing in that event that they love an event like this
2: i think if they don't they've been very foolish because surely when this got presented to them on the table, as well as the massive stacks of dollars, they got given this model of what they want it to be. There's going to be music on, it's going to be rowdy. They must have been
1: presented that. Because I can see a lot of players loving that. So even on this weekend, like
0: Cam, Cam Smith, I yeah. mean, that
1: is right up his street. Obviously it it's in it's in his home country, but that's right up his street. Ian Poulter, yeah, absolutely. Um, Pat Perez, Bryson DeChambeau even kind of getting... Um, egged on to kind of do a show here, um, you know. I, I do see a, a hardcore group of players that would even like um, Brooks Kepka, I think he would kind of love that party atmosphere and stuff like that. Does Richard Bland? Does Louis Oosthuizen? Yeah. Does Henrik Stenson? I, I don't know. I, I, you, you wouldn't think so. I would don't you? want to earmark hey, no, these players. I agree but they don't seem to, to align with, with doing a shoe on stage with no. a DJ, you know, um, what they do it when they jump off the stage. And uh, like, it wouldn't have surprised no. me if Ian Poulter would have crowd surfed yeah. at the weekend. <laughs> but yeah, I can't imagine, I'm trying to think of even a more absurd player um, to have done it, but
2: yeah. so Even Patrick Reed, like you, yeah. you like he might like it a bit, but it's, it's it, it, I think it's-
1: like, Do you remember like Happy Gilmore? Yes, Okay.
2: Happy Gilmore would like it. <laughs>
1: But shooting McGavin wouldn't, no. and he didn't. In the film, he hated it.
2: But but, that's th- yeah. <laughs> but but that's the thing, I suppose, now.
1: Get him off the tour, Doug,
2: yeah. he said. Get him off the tour. However, <laughs> if you don't like it, don't go to live. If you want big dollars and you want party atmosphere and you want fewer events or fewer rounds or whatever it might look like, but I don't know, there's something about it this time that, that did, and, and maybe as well, I said this last week or the week before, because a few of the guys did well at the Masters, is it somehow I we think, actually, yeah, these guys still can play golf. This is this is real. Um, but another thing, though, just coming on to that, taking us back to the email we just had, or oh, sorry, the question we had before about golf, and we said how you'll never be consistent, really. It's a hard thing to, not never be consistent, but be, be understanding that golf can be cruel. Taylor Gooch shot 10 under first round, 10 under second round, one over third round. <laughs> Like you look at that, and that just proved I mean, he still won the event, so that's brilliant. But you look at that, and you think that just yes, pressure plays a part, and all these different things. But shoot two rounds of ten under in a row, and then shoot one over. I know why. Why Saturday
1: night? Chewyed. He had a big one. A size thirteen, Chewy. Pa- party atmosphere. He let a few. T- he thought, oh, I'm dominating this event. I might as well have a few sherbets with the boys. W- wakes up Sunday thinking, Oh God, I've got one more round to go. And has to, has to finish blown the it. job off. Yeah. Well, he, he managed to get it done. Well, I nearly blew it, blown it, blew it. Um, <laughs> I, I tell you what, there's, there's for me, there's one loser in a lot of this. Okay. DP World Tour. Mm. I honestly feel like they're the, the tour that seems to be getting squeezed the most. There's
2: the feeder tour to the PJ Tour now, really. Yeah,
1: it feels like the PJ Tour as a product now has got better. Yeah, brilliant. In the last 12, 18 months, it has got better. Yeah, They're highlighting their bigger players more. This event this weekend, Zurich Classic, I've never quite been the biggest fan of it, the kind of pairs mm. event. Um, but kind of like, as the Harbour Town event was brilliant. Insane. Obviously, the oh, there's been so many great events this year on the PGA Tour. Live is starting to kind of find its feet. Potentially, this mm. might spark the fuse to kind of allow it to to get into this next level. This next bringing non golfers into it. But like the DP World Tour, I just seem to it just seems to be kind of really getting neglected.
2: I think you're right, and I think um, f- from a viewer standpoint, it feels a bit more now like you've got potentially you want to watch the party atmosphere. You can watch Live. You want to watch the serious. Who's the best golfer on the planet? I want to see Rory versus John Rahm versus Scotty, versus Matt Fitzpatrick, et etc. Et You're going to watch the PJ Tour. It does kind of leave you feeling somewhat, almost what's the point from a viewer's perspective of the DP World Tour.
1: I think it was a really bad time to change the name of it as well. Yeah. I know it obviously got sponsored by DP World, but like, I think if it still had that name European Tour, it would still just be able to kind of fight its corner. Yeah, There's heritage there, there's, there's integrity, there's, you, there's history. I
2: think as well... As golfers, as, as fans, really, you want to watch the best. If you're watching golf on TV, you want to watch the best players, don't you? Really? That's the point of it, the best golf courses. I have never really watched a Corn Ferry event, no disrespect. I don't even know if it's ever on TV, but only because, no disrespect, I know a lot of great players come through Corn Ferry, but I've got no interest in watching
1: it. You don't know them at that point. Do exactly. You? And You've not gone to college with with any of them, or you don't know them in Co- personally.
2: Correct. And that's almost the point of it. It's a feed tour, really, to the PGA Tour. Well, that really now is what the, the DP World Tour become and You know, there's very few events. Obviously, a few where Rory might come over, the ones in Dubai or whatever. But typically, it's the second layer of players down. So it kind of feels like you're almost watching championship football to some degree. You know, it's, it's it, which there is fans of that, admittedly. But from a from a golf fan's point of view, unless you've got a real player that you absolutely idolise, why, why are you going to watch it so much now? I don't know.
1: Yeah, I feel like, I feel if it was like, let's say Challenge Tour or Corn Ferry Tour you're probably gonna it'll have its its fan base people will love that level of golf where it's like the underdog Mm. then they're not quite known yet there'll be people that's really into it but i feel like then a lot of the other fans are just actually people who know those players yeah so they've been to school with them or they went to college with them or the friends and family that kind of watch those because you've got an invested interest in those people and and like say it feels a bit like the dp world Tours a bit like that at the moment like I, I don't know. Is that like when, when Dan
2: Gavins won? Yeah. I was quite tuned into that because I've met him before. I think that,
1: yeah, exactly that.
2: But if that if I'd never met Dan Gavins, I wouldn't, with no disrespect, be bothered about that event. No. Question for you. I think this is a very simple one to answer. It's from Ashley Armstrong. Who would win in a left handed scratch match between you two, Rick and Guy? It's
1: quite a simple one. I isn't think it? it's easy. Me? Yeah. Right, yeah.
2: You're not bad left-handed. I, I literally can't swing a club left-handed. If it was right-handed, I'd wipe the floor, yeah. But left-handed,
1: I can't swing a club. If you were right-handed and I was left-handed, you'd wipe the floor with me, yeah. Absolutely. Just. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I, I can I can hit it left-handed, yeah, yeah just I literally can. That's sometimes,
2: though, in a bizarre way. I quite like, every now and again, swinging the golf club left-handed. It makes me realise how hard golf actually is, because obviously I've played from being a youngster, and although I'm not great, the actual process of swinging the golf club feels somewhat just like walking, almost just second yeah. nature. Although my swing's not brilliant, admittedly even swinging a club left-handed feels so alien
1: that's kind of why i started doing it i was at, at trafford center um the Trafford golf center and in between lessons i would pick up this left-handed club i used to have in the bay and i used to do it to get that feeling of what it felt like as a brand new golfer mm. like wh- how frustrating it is how challenging it is how different movements feel so i kind of did that on purpose really uh, Luke O'Reilly,
2: this is a, a difficult question to answer. He said, what club do you think should be the one everyone should upgrade when they can? I've actually got an answer. Potentially. Um, I've got an answer for that. My, my initial answer was no answer. There isn't one. I'd,
1: I'd probably have to sway towards Driver. Okay. Like I'm thinking if you've bought a package set yeah. and Slazinger package set, True. okay, just for argument's sake, and you're thinking, right, I need to change one club in that set, what grade, it's going to be the driver, isn't it? Because the putter's going to work, the irons are going to be fine, it's the driver that you're going to see the biggest difference. Yeah.
2: Now, in that situation, I fully agree. If we're talking about someone that's got an established bag of clubs, I would say there's never really a need to upgrade unless there's... But I think wedges, because if your wedges get worn out, Mm. you can maybe see quite a nice difference from new ones. We don't need need to upgrade. And you've got, again, this Friday... We have got a very exciting videos. No Break 75 this week. There will be the following week. An exciting video. We won't give anything away now, but you are going to be changing some of your golf clubs and some of those lucky little fellows staying in the bag. And we'll find out more on
1: Friday. So my original plan after playing Augusta National was to retire my whole set of golf clubs. Yes. I've changed my mind. Yes. So I've I've, I've got a brand new golf bag. So I think I'm going to retire the bag I used. And I'm going to retire some of the golf equipment. And when I say retire, I might still have them in the bag for the time being because I need to play golf. Of course. But there's some clubs I'm not happy with and I want to change. And there's some clubs I'm very happy with that I want to keep. I've got one more question
2: for you uh, from a listener, from a viewer. And then I've got one for you that might link back to the potential title of this podcast. So Wayne Curran has said, "Uh, what about doing a Break 75 on a municipal course? It's great that your social media presence is getting you so much more exposure and the big venues are inviting you and allowing to film. But what about playing some of the smaller courses and maybe your uh, viewers would see the course and then fancy themselves go and play in it. Not knocking you for playing big venues, but just an idea that would perhaps help the smaller clubs and courses. And then that comment had 11 likes, which is quite a lot just for a, a question. So I thought it was a good one to ask.
1: I think there's a, a couple of things to cover there. First off, we actually often don't get invited to golf courses. We reach out to them. Correct. And, <clears throat> um, and I think the other thing is is we have done public golf courses,
2: yes, we have,
1: yeah, definitely done golf courses at public, probably not many municipal golf courses i think it's a, there's a couple of challenges with municipal golf courses. first off, we obviously want to make really nice videos, we want it to look good, we want every every you know we want the videos videos to look good for the Golf course to look nice, for it to be playable. Certainly through the winter months, you're only going to ever get that at nice golf courses. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the time, municipals, more public golf courses in the winter do suffer. They have to, they have to take on less of a um, greenkeeper staff, often get wet, hard to play, hard to manage. Um, so we've not particularly done loads of pub- municipal golf course in the winter. Doesn't mean we won't do any in the future, and it doesn't mean we're neglecting any of them. I think if if we look at sometimes we'll, we, what we're gonna to start to do actually starts next week, we're actually gonna locate ourselves in one location and we're then picking four or five golf courses in that one location and playing golf at those and then doing the same in the month after, doing a, doing a week per month at, the, at these different locations. You'll kind of see this as the content starts to come out. So if there's opportunities to play some really nice golf courses that are at a cheaper price point, we absolutely will.
2: And I think as well, and this, by the way, the golf course I'm going to mention is in no way, shape, or form former municipal. So I just want to say that now. But we do a lot of filming at the Marriott Worsley Park. And the reason we do that is because one reason it's kind of on our doorstep. Two reasons the golf course is often in really good shape. But the third reason, something that we don't shout about too much because it's not really essential to... But it, it's quite a relatable golf course. And, and our, a lot of our content is designed to be kind of relatable and, and hopefully people enjoy it because of that. And the Marriott Worsley Park is a golf course that you can book on and play. It's not silly expensive. You'll get great experience. The staff are brilliant. The course is always in really good condition. Come off the back of it and think, oh, that was a good day out. I'm glad I've played that. And so that we are kind of still doing that in that sense. Um but like you said, it, it's often the condition of courses really, isn't it? That I
1: think the, the other thing as well that we've probably not mentioned is a lot of the times if we do go to a golf course, they're very accommodating and, and we'll often, because we're filming, will block out a certain amount of time for us to be able to jump out and film. Mm-hmm. Again, municipals rely on that kind of tee time revenue all the time. So actually being able to try and squeeze out in between a busy round of golf is also a bit more challenging as well. But, you know, we... we it's not not by design or purpose. We've just got a lot of different golf courses to play and hopefully we can play as many as we can. So
2: the title of this podcast, certainly on YouTube, is Has Live Golf Become Great? So we've had a bit of a chat about it I so know, far.
1: I thought it was going to be, why did Rick Shields not win the London Marathon? Oh,
2: good point. Next time, yeah, next, next, time. Year. Next, next year, year. <laughs> next year. Um, so before you answer that, before I ask it again, has Live Golf become great? So before you answer that, because it's going to obviously be a yes or, or, or no answer, is it great or is it not? If it's a no, I want you to say, can it become great? And then if that's a yes, what does it need to do to be great? So back to the original question, has Live Golf become great? No. Okay, fair dues. Can Live Golf become great? Yes. How does Live Golf become great? Do you have an answer for me?
1: It needs to own its identity and repeat and repeat and repeat. Good answer. And I think at the moment, Adelaide was a real step in, in understanding its identity. Mm. And I, I think once it's got that, it owns it and then goes with it. Do you think then if it goes down this more kind of
2: party identity, I think there's a somewhat of a win in that but does that then decrease its legitimacy as an actual premium tour product that the best players want to play on that tour as beers getting thrown
1: and stuff i think the events become less about the golf okay which i think is good for the game of golf in yeah. a weird way because i think you are going to attract non golfers to go to events mm-hmm and go, oh, that was really cool. I'm going to try golf. Um, I'm, You know, that golf event, are you going to the golf this weekend? Oh yeah, I'm going, like you're getting non-golfers participating and watching golf. And mm-hmm. I don't think that's a bad thing for the for the game of golf. I think for the players, that that for me is, I'm still not bothered who wins at all. I'm not bothered about what team wins one bit currently. That's the formula I think attracts the golfers back yeah. into it. So I think it's doing a great job attracting non-golfers. and yeah. I think it will continue to do that. I think for the hardcore golfers, the golf has to be elevated. It has to. It's still not quite there yet.
2: And you need the live players to continue to do well in majors to Correct. prove they've got a strong field. And I'm also not a fan of Taylor Gooch getting that chain off Bubba. You see that? The yeah. Range Goats chain. That was Terrible. a bit cringe. Um, but I'd love to hear people's thoughts. I'm sure there will be lots on this video if you're watching the video so comment down below in the comment section obviously uh if you're listening email us podcast at rickshields.com. let us know your thoughts if you're not a member of the facebook group and you have a facebook account what are you
1: doing even if you've not got a facebook account make, make one. one make
2: call it barry burner
1: and also make make a facebook account and go and friend all those old school friends that you know there might be an old spark there who knows no flame who knows you might be there sitting there going
2: jenny from woodwork
1: He's i wonder what i wonder what jenny from woodwork's doing these days makes my
2: woodwork sorry <laughs> i have to delete that block <laughs> that I out you should keep that definitely keep that in keep it out keep it in or out I'm like, um, you know what's bad i don't have this humor in real life this kind of you don't have dad jokes no but then when i'm on the podcast I think they just come out
1: you become a dad as well don't forget. Yeah, that's true um you sh- you're shedding your skin and, and becoming, becoming, <laughs> becoming a real dad, me becoming a dad joker um any final words for the
2: podcast? You've got. Uh, let's get. Let's there, give was, you, there was something I was going to say. Oh, another topic,
1: or just final words. Uh, the other thing I'd, I'd like to know about is how do you become a fan of a team?
2: Um, well, give you. I'll give you an answer to that. You either pick one off the back of just picking the name you like. You either have a player that you love and you think, "Right, I love Poulter. I'm going to support him." Or there also was, and I did this once. There was actually an allocator on the live website where you could put in all your details and give your it team. It wasn't. It was. Um, yeah, that's something I'm not fully
1: invested in.
2: I'll be like, oh, there we go, team picker. I'll tell you what, let's do your team quick. Oh, no. Come on. No, because I don't want to I don't want to be
1: associated to a team.
2: Right, okay. Can I do one then? Yeah. Right. start now. Well, uh, tell me, you, you do it. To, you uh, ask me.
1: Well, I'm, I'm going to do it. No, you, no, you can't. You've got to say,
2: yeah, But you have to say
1: you're behind that team. Depends if I like them or not.
2: Right, well, the first question is what motivates you? Winning, improvement, teamwork, or fun? So I'm going to go for winning next. What animal do you most identify with? Crikey, a bird, a dolphin, an eagle, a wolf, a ram, or a stallion? Um, I don't really identify with any of those, so I will go with a burr, just because I don't really like any of them. What shot gets you out of your seat? The booming drive, the pin seeker, the spectacular save, or the unmakeable putt? Booming drive, uh, no pin seeker actually. You like a pin seeker? How do you celebrate a winning putt? Composed wave, team high fives, fist pump, or go wild? Good fist pump. Pick your ideal golf course There's four to pick from. I'm gonna go with I don't even know half of them. No, I don't, but I just want that looks best. What colour speaks to you? Blue, red. I do like black and dark colours. I'm all about red. What's your golf shirt style classic? Striped, yeah, patterned classic. or loud. I'll go for a little uh, yeah, I'll go classic. I think I like a classic. Hip hop. What music gets you in the zone? You got hip hop, rock, country. I am a country guy now. Dance, pop, or classical, but it's more hip hop. Flipping heck, what are you ordering on the 19th, oh, Green? Oh,
1: no, I don't like who it's picked for me. Uh, <laughs> oh, I,
2: I have got, the dun dun Crushers. Me and my mate Bryce.
1: I'm not saying who I've been picked. Can with. I say? No. <laughs> I'm doing it again. You can't. I can't be right. I'm <laughs> not that let, team. Go on, let me no. see, please. I'll no, it's, it's probably the team that I'd least Patrick like. Read whoever it I is. I don't even know if he's on this team. Um, who's on this team? Anyway,
2: leave your comments in the comments below. Uh, who this is think not my team. team was. I'm not happy with this. So you no, do it again? I'm going to do it again. Do you wanna, are you going to announce it if it's a better one? Or not? <sighs>
1: I can't, I'm can't. i not supporting them. Go Team Crushers! Anyway, thanks for listening, everybody. Wait a minute.
2: I'm becoming a country fan. I'm now a Team Crushers fan. What else is going to
1: happen next week? I might become an American. You're coming in the cowboy hat. <laughs>
2: Howdy, partners. Welcome back to the Rick Shields Golf Show.
1: (laughs) Thanks for listening, everybody. Again, thanks for the support for the London Marathon. If you're not donated, please do. It'd be amazing if we can get to £10,000. We shall see you next week. Um, And again, next week, Break 75s will be back. Play golf tomorrow. Yeah. I'm actually more nervous about that than I was London Marathon. Should be. (laughs) Guys, thanks for watching, listening. Stay tuned. Lots more to come. And we shall see you, very. You're out. (laughs) Old now. See you later. (laughs) Bye-bye.
0: only from Rustolium Market.